Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Well, welcome to the SMB Community Podcast. Today, your hosts are my friend James Kernan and myself, Amy Babinchek. We ready to go, James? You betcha. Let's rock and roll. We got lots to talk about today. All right, let's do it. Hey, um, got anything you want to share with us with what you're what you're up to? So I am actually. Uh, I think when this airs, I will be speaking live at the Mastermind Denver event. Uh, on um, the 29th and 30th of June. Looking forward to that. Uh, in downtown Denver, uh, a collection of industry speakers around the country and uh, really focused on cybersecurity, uh, this event and, and how to sell it. So, you know, um, the sales and marketing, uh, several sessions around uh, cybersecurity on on selling and, and marketing cybersecurity. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm fired up. Can't wait to get to the Mile High City. All right. Have fun out there. I think yeah, it's gonna, thank you. I saw your speaker list. It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah, well, thank you. there's a lot going on this week in our in our industry, and um, I wanted to call out something for it's our MSP question of the week. And if I don't know that anybody asked it, but I wanted to mention it, Microsoft released a patch, which isn't unusual. They do that every other week. Um, however, this one, which is CVE. 202332019, and we'll stick a link in the show notes. You don't have to remember that. But um, this patch comes down with the regular patching cycle, but it doesn't implement until you actually run a file afterwards, which you have to separately download from Microsoft. Mm. Um, and so it's really interesting. I've never seen Microsoft do that before. Mm. And um, this is actually patching a vulnerability in the in the Windows kernel, which sounds important, but clearly Microsoft has made the decision to balance the uh, likelihood of infection versus the likelihood of the patch causing some disruption to your applications or your or your work. Um, so I mean, it sounds pretty server it uh, server serious. Right, it says the attacker who successfully exploits this vulnerability could view heap memory from privileged processes. Um, so, kind of, kind of a big deal. It sounds like it would be a part of a part of a hack, um, hmm. but I just have never seen them do that before. So I wanted wanted to mention that um, that if you are deploying patches, especially if you're in a regulated environment. Mm -hmm. where knowing that those are actually implemented is important. This has a manual step after the fact. So interesting. It very, it, it is interesting. It's very interesting. I've never seen that happen before. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's good, good stuff. And a lot of other news going on this week, but there was something else I know we wanted to talk about as well that Microsoft's doing with one of their new end-user support plans. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, well, 
um, this is a connecting the dots moment for me, right? I saw that, um, you know, PAX 8 had their conference uh, very recently, a couple of weeks ago by the time this airs. And um, one of the things they announced was the PAX 8 marketplace. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think there was a little bit of groaning about it amongst the MSP community because it means that uh, end users and small businesses can go there and make their purchases direct. Um, and I thought, huh, interesting news item, you know, and I sort of mm -hmm. let it, I thought it's kind of all I gave thought to it really, as I'm not much of a PAX 8 buyer myself. Um, and, and so I didn't give it too much thought, but then I remembered it because of something else that Microsoft did. And um, Microsoft has now um, released and implemented, and you can buy it today, a $5 per user per month license for businesses that have 25 users or fewer. So it's a small business play. Mm -hmm. uh, it is full migration, full implementation, security, help desk, everything rolled into that $5 a month per, per person. Wow. So you buy your Microsoft 365 license, you add on the support package for it. They'll migrate you from on-premise, from Google, from wherever into Microsoft 365, set up the whole portal, secure it from then forward and answer any end users help desk question that they might have along the way. So for $5 a month, they're doing what MSPs charge $130 to $200 a month per user, and they're doing right. it for five. Plus, we MSPs usually charge extra for migration as a project. Yeah. So this has potential to eat into, um, you know, eat, eat into MSP profits if what you're depending on is, you know, those that help desk and patching, you know, type income to come your way. If that's your main bread and butter, I think connecting the dots between Pax 8's marketplace and Microsoft's new support plan offering, it, there's a, there is a direct buy scenario that takes yeah. a bite out of the MSP. Right. Yeah, that's that's a little spooky. Uh, you know, let's talk about the Microsoft one first. You know, I've seen historically, I've been in the channel over 30 years, I've seen Microsoft kind of take more of a top-down approach with enterprise accounts, sell direct, you know, provide services direct. Uh, I'm kind of used to that. We've all just gotten numb to that. But really the play for all MSPs, the sweet spot normally is between five and 50 seats. And if Microsoft now has a $5 per seat offering for five to 25 users, you know, that's right in the sweet spot of honestly most MSPs. So, um, you know, I guess the million dollar question I would have is how are they planning on marketing that? And I'm sure we didn't hear that or know that, but uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a little spooked by it because they've they've got all the end users information already. They certainly have their email addresses. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll yeah. see how they market. Right. Well, we'll find out. I don't I don't know the answer to that question either, but I am going to keep an eye on that Pax8 marketplace because if Pax8 right. puts their marketing and sales engine behind selling this Microsoft license direct through their new direct buy marketplace. 
uh, you know, that 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 could add up to significant damage. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about PAX-8 for a second. Um, I'll, I, I'm, you know, I guess I was taught and raised, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. But, you know, uh, I do need to express my opinion. I, I'm not a fan of PAX-8. I, you know, grew up in the channel and I'm a loyal channel partner of, of the traditional supply chain, you know, manufacturer, value-added distributor, reseller, and then end user. That's tra to the traditional channel, right? You know, Dell disrupted that by selling direct as a manufacturer, uh, but there's always been a place for the value-added distributors, the TD Cynics of, of the world. Uh, I was at a MSP advisory council meeting uh, earlier this year, and there was a conversation that talked about value-added distribution and the big resellers like Pax8, that's what they are, they're just a big reseller, uh, reselling stuff to you, they're keeping all the back-end rebates, they're reselling it to you with a cool interface, but they're charging you a lot more money. And one of the key things that came out was the, the pricing spread. You know, everybody thinks you get better pricing with Pax8, but that's not the case. So now they're looking at selling direct. And uh, to me, that's real concerning. Well, you know, I, I'm a longtime TD Cynics partner, 20 years plus. We also do buy from Pax8, though. So, mm -hmm. you know, so we tend to go to, you know, the best vendor for the solution that we need. Yeah. So I can't say I'm not a fan, but the majority of our, our purchasing is elsewhere. And I do look at those numbers carefully, um, but there are so many partners out there. And by that, I mean, Microsoft partners out there um, that don't take advantage of the, the SPIFs, the, the backend rebates, you know, all that stuff. And we've always made a good chunk of change from that stuff, you know, like $60,000 a year. Yeah, And, you know, so I, I wasn't willing to give that up. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, so when I, when I look at who I'm going to buy from, that's a, that's a part of the consideration too, is, uh, you know, what am I, what am I getting for the, the money and what am I getting blocked out of for that money? Yeah. So to, to me, that's a really important point. It isn't just all the pricing, but let's talk about pricing first. I mean, normally on any one license, there's a three to 5% spread from, you know, a TD Cinex, for example, having a better price than someone like a PAX-8. But then also, if you're buying from a PAX-8, you lose out on those rebates. So you pay a higher price up front and you're missing out on, on the rebates. And there's lots of other you know, training advantages and other strategic advantages like e-commerce uh, connections and, and so forth, if, if that's important to you, if, you, if you're buying product uh, that I know TD Cinex has. Um, you know, to me, those are important things to kind of analyze in the business. And I will tell you, one of the key things I always coach and consult on is getting my MSP partners, my resellers to work really closely with their strategic partners you know, like a TD Cinex or more specifically a, a Microsoft. You know, Microsoft's got a billion dollar budget for marketing. They've got tons of collateral, great campaigns all ready to go and incentives that they'll pay for your marketing. They'll help you with the marketing and then they'll even give you incentives when you sell stuff if you pay attention to, to things. 
And granted, you know, we're probably talking about the most confusing manufacturer example <laughs> of Microsoft because they have so many programs. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I had dedicated people in my organization. We were, we we're pretty big, uh, but we had dedicated people just to uh, help me make money with Microsoft because they had so many different programs. But it's worth it if you look into it and, um, you know, reach out in, in uh, communicate with us. Uh, either directly, either Amy or myself, or make a note um, here on the on the podcast uh, and submit it. We'd love to hear your questions on that topic because it's an important point. You know who you align your business with, who you're paying, uh, you know, to buy your products and services. You know who you're aligning with. It's a strategic partnership. So, um, yeah, for sure. Anyway, good. Yep. Well, speaking of Microsoft again. Um, last week, so two weeks ago at this airing, um, everybody probably noticed that Microsoft had some uh, issues going on kind of across the board with Azure logons, 365 mm -hmm. logons, some worked, some didn't, it was slow. It was, you know, it, it clearly seemed like a type of a, a DDoS attack was going on. And, you know, other than acknowledging that the issue was happening, Microsoft was a little quiet, but they're not quiet anymore. I'll put a link in. Uh, Microsoft security blog goes into great detail as to um, what, who was attacking them, what that attack looked like, what services were affected, how it happened, what you know, exactly what occurred. They're always very, very forthcoming with that. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, in Reddit, there was a lot of, um, you know, speculation and conspiracy theories and stuff and I was try to be the voice of reason I'm like just wait just wait for it don't make up things just wait it right. will it will be published and about a week later it was all published so go into our show notes and I'll share a link with that because it's a it's a long read but it's a it's a really a really great read um, to hear what happened and how it was handled what it affected and it's part of a big international um, centralized crime organization. So, hmm. um, these, these things happen. The good news is, you know, we were disrupted as far as login, but they didn't, they didn't get a single thing out of the, out of the, yeah. Right? yeah, I'm not, I've not seen that yet, but there certainly was a lot of chatter, uh, after the event uh, last week about, uh, in, in my peer groups, you know, a lot of chatter on, on our Slack channel. So, uh, I'll be curious to to check that out and review that. Well, speaking of uh, peer groups, in my peer group, we ended up spending the entire last meeting on a topic that was brought up by by one of the guys who has a significant practice with uh, credit unions, and and an, another guy who's got quite a bit of insurance business, and they both both educated really the rest of us on the new FTC safeguards ruling. Hmm. Um, FTC expanded their definition of what a financial institution is. So all of the rules that used to apply to banks now are applying to insurance agencies, title agencies, heating and cooling companies that offer financing, right? Hmm. So if you buy something from someplace and they offer financing, they're now 
uh, they now have to conform to the same standards as the largest banks in the world do. Um, and this, this is a big deal for the folks that are in the smaller end of the business market on this because this involves security tabletop games, um, you know, continual education on security topics. It involves, um, you know, really severely locking down the environments. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's auditing that has to occur by third parties, and it has teeth. It's a hundred thousand dollar per incident fine. If uh, if you're found to have any piece of that of that lacking, I know um, pretty much every accounting firm out there in the world is subject to this as well. There is a there's a threshold. It's five thousand records, but five thousand records is easy for even very small firms to hit. Uh, so this is a big deal. It's also a huge opportunity for MSPs to get involved, but it's far outside the traditional MSPs realm. Uh, but I don't think this is gonna be out of the norm going forward. I think, you know, as MSPs, you can't just sit back and do help desk and licensing and backup um, this type of stuff, this security, this consulting, this making sure that your your clients are staying within their regulatory requirements. Yeah, I think this is where the future of the MSP is. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Amy. That's a great point. And it really dovetails into what we talked about last week about staying ahead of that bell curve and staying educated, staying informed. So you can be the one educating and giving advice to, to your customers and your prospects, right? Uh, they, they need us. They're relying on us. You know, the most traditional small business owners aren't very technical. And, uh, you know, we take that for granted. So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's our responsibility, but more importantly, it's, it's a huge opportunity for us to charge a lot more. Uh, yeah. So we're moving forward, right? Well, if Microsoft's going to charge $5 a license for what we've been doing, it's time to think about doing something else, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And this, this, is, this is where the opportunity is. It's not that there's not opportunities out there. There's massive opportunities out there. Um, we just have to change, change with the times and, and get on it. I want you to introduce your smart person because you talked to somebody uh, this yeah. week. Sounds interesting. Yeah, thank you. It um, was so, so exciting for me to to interview this gentleman. And uh, so this week I sat down with um, a gentleman, an international motivational speaker. Uh, his name is Oliver Nisham out of Cameroon, Africa. And my story with him goes back 10 years ago where a mutual friend introduced us and said that I was a leadership coach. And he was this young African-American boy uh, speaking broken English and said, hey, Mr. Kernan, I want to be an, uh, an, an international speaker. Uh, I want to teach workshops and be a leadership speaker. What do I need to do? And uh, just it's interesting. He grew up in a poor family. You know, his graduation picture from high school was a picture of him wearing a pair of his mom's shoes. Uh, his family couldn't afford clothes. He They could afford his top, but his pants uh, were all folded up and they were his father's trousers. And that's how poor he was. And 
put himself through school uh, and took took our advice. I it just, I had a soft spot in my heart, you know. Long story short, and uh, plugged him in a bunch of the programs uh, on a scholarship uh, that everything I thought that would help him. You know, I had a public speaking course, I had a leadership courses, uh, plugged him in, and and it was so exciting for me to interview him. Uh, and you know, he's published now eleven leadership books. He speaks all around the world, and just to see how confident he is from being that little um, little boy to what he's become, it just you know almost brings tears to my eyes. It, it was uh, it's really cool. So. Anyway, make sure you listen in. Uh, uh, great, uh, great interview. Thank you. IT Service Provider University helps you improve the business side of your business. We launched IT Service Provider University in 2013, and today we offer more than 20 courses on every aspect of running your consulting business. ITSPU provides training and pathways to certification for individual IT service providers as well as company level certifications. Pathways include management, technician, sales and marketing, service manager, and front office. Learn more about professional classes and certification at ITSPU.com. All right, welcome back. This is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting, and I am here with a, a dear friend of mine and a true, true success story. Uh, we're going to talk about his story today, uh, Mr. Oliver Nisham. Oliver, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, you bet. I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you today. Um. You and I have known each other for a long time, and I'm going to ask you, you know, I want you to share your story with everybody, but I first want to kind of have you tell the quick story about how we met. Um, you know, you you inspire me seeing the successes and how far you've come. But uh, before we dive into that, tell everybody, how, how did we meet? It was about 10 plus years ago, wasn't it? Exactly, James. Uh, that was in 2023, uh, 2013. Uh, yeah, I can remember well in 2013. Yeah. Uh, I, I used to uh, collaborate a lot and do a lot of correspondence with Lisa Kosker. I met her online uh, through a newspaper I read, and I was impressed about growing my spiritual, uh, my, myself spiritually. And so we went together for over two years. That was in 2011 and to 2013. Our conversation moves or shifted from just being a pen friend online to being a, a mother and a son relationship into a mother and a son relationship. And at a certain point, she realized I had so much passion in communicating, uh, training people. And she promised me that she, Lisa promised me to link me up to a very good and a dear friend of his that was actually into communication and corporate trainings. And that was James Cannon. And that's how we came together. And I wrote James the first email and she responded. And I was like, yeah, I was excited. <laughs> you know, from there we linked up ourselves and James actually offered me a scholarship. Uh, that was my first public speaking training ever. That was online. And, and James came in and offered me that scholarship. I was trained as a professional speaker, not only alone with all other friends around 
Cameroon and Africa. And after the training, that was a spark in my life. From then, I had so much passion and so much interest in public speaking till then. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exciting. I, I remember you just as a little boy from Cameroon, Africa. Uh, Lisa introduced me and I just I just had a, hop, a soft spot in my heart after I met you uh, online. It was like, hey, I, I just want to help this person, you know, find success. And boy, what a success you've become. And it's exciting to see how far you've come in the last 10 years. So from that moment, you've you've went through a lot of training. I think you went through some of the leadership classes that we had as well. We helped uh, sponsor you for that. But what's really exciting is you took all that training and then you went out and took additional training. You started doing your own events. You've you've written 11 books. I don't even have enough fingers to count that high. 11 books now. Uh, and you speak all around the world, which is just unbelievable. I remember you saying one of your goals years back was you wanted to start speaking in the States. And uh, I think you just got back from one of those trips. So tell tell us, tell everybody, if you could, a little bit more about your story. What was the last 10 years like? James, it was the last 10 years for me was hell. <laughs> was hell. You remember, James, I asked you uh, just two years after we met, that was in 2013, uh, I asked you this question. I was curious. I was anxious. I was just like, you know, any other young person in Africa that wants to travel the world and live his dream. And so I asked you the question, Sir James, what can I do to become a well-recognized international speaker? Yeah. And, and you asked me, you, 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 you asked me another question. You, you, you were like, okay, Oliver, where do you want to speak? You know, who are your audience? You know, what platforms do you want to speak in? And that started, you know, to actually sway it in my life. Like, it, it makes me to think, like, where do I want to talk to? Or who do I want to talk to? Where should I talk? And who are my audience? And that clarified a lot of confusion in my mind from the questions you asked me. And from when I set the base, set the foundation, we started working towards that. And I knew that my audience, primary audience, were to talk to young people first in Africa to help change their mindset from then before I can move to other parts of the world. And that's exactly what I'm doing today. So here's my story. You know, I was actually born on the 1st of January, 1989, in a very small village uh, here in Cameroon, in Oku, uh, particularly in Durum Oku. And so I went through primary school, not like any other kids could go through because I suffered from the uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD. Yeah. Um, what that means is that I was very distracted. I was a kid who would go to school the next day and the next day he would not go to school. And because of that, my parents never believed in me, neither my teachers, neither my classmates. And that's exactly why most of the times I go to school after the class, my classmate would get me well beaten before I reached home. Like yep. I was literally leaving a, a, a one village and trekking over eight kilometers to get to school where I had to study, then come back home. And it was a tough experience because being the only boy that was living in my village, going to school to the neighboring village, it was challenging. I was hated by my classmates for reasons I cannot tell. And up to 2003, when I graduated from the primary school, and one interesting thing about the graduation in 2003, James, is that 
you know, I, 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 my parents never had the, the money to buy my entire uniform. You know, they could only mm -hmm. afford for the jacket, for the shirt. They could <laughs> yeah. not afford for the trouser, you know. So on my graduation day, I wore a very long trouser with some worn out shoes that were once used by my mom. And, and I, I was putting on my jacket. I was very excited, you know, because I was graduating. Yeah. Right, so right. I, I was, ex yeah, I was excited. I was happy that finally I'm, I'm, I'm leaving primary school to go to secondary school. And when I went to secondary school, the story was almost the same. It happens that I dropped out from secondary school again over four times, making me to drop out already seven times entirely throughout my life in education. Dropping out from school seven times was something I never imagined. And one interesting thing that actually uh, I experienced in the course of all of that was that I realized that I had a future and my future was actually to become someone who is educated. And that's why I believe I was dropping out and finding myself back in school. So from then, at certain point, my parents told me that, well, we can't pay your fees again because we just want to take care of your other brothers. Like we believe that at least you, you've gone to a certain level in education. So at least you can manage. And from then, I started to push truck. I, I don't know exactly what pushing truck means to an American listening to me right now. To push yeah. truck for an African means that you go to the market, you take the, the truck, you know, the truck, it has two wheels. And oh. then you, you rent the truck for less than a dollar, you know, for less than a dollar, kind of less than a dollar. And then you're moving around the market and carrying people's luggages, carrying people's luggages, transporting from one yep. level to another. That's, yep. that's the truck I did. And I did that in Bamenda happily. I was able to raise some money that I was, from that, I had, I, I had to go back to school. It was the money I raised during the summer holidays that I was able to find myself back to school to be able to buy my textbooks and pay my school fees. You know, just like that, at the end of the day, I, I find myself graduating from high school and stepping to college. And so when I graduated from high school, my dad actually promised me uh, he was going to send me to college. And, and the moment came where I had to go to college and my dad told me that he doesn't have money. So uh, I may not go to college. And, and fortunately for me, uh, I was not only counting on my dad, I had to work very hard again. I had to sell Nescafe, I pushed Nescafe around the city of Bamenda, that's my home city. And, and actually from the money I make from the next cafe, I was able to find myself, you know, back in college where I studied information system. From then, I met James Kennan. <laughs> and the well, journey from there. Very exciting. You, so basically you put yourself through school from, from working these these lowly jobs of, of carrying people's, you know, shopping items around in, in these carts. And, uh, that's just amazing. That's amazing. And I can see you now with a big smile on your face, doing it uh, joyfully. Uh, and you probably met some interesting people, I'm sure, when you were doing that. But once once you kind of started your professional career, uh, what was your goal back then? Do you, do you remember what it was? You know, where did, where did you want to yes, take? Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Yes. When I started my professional career, my first goal was to become an international speaker. And yeah. that's exactly why I was asking you, I was disturbing you with the emails. I sent you a bunch of emails every week, James, every week, asking you questions. 
before we finally connected on Facebook so and on, 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 on now on LinkedIn. So I wanted to become a professional speaker at the level of the in international platform. And, and by then I was not even a national speaker. I was not recognized in my country, Cameroon, as a national speaker. I was barely speaking for free at my region, Bamenda. And, and I had so much uh, of ambitions. Uh, I was so uh, determined to get myself to the international platform. And behold, I thought it was literally going to take me like 20 years or 15 years to get there. But yeah. I, I took less than like less than eight years and 10 years and finally uh, I'll find myself there. And I think uh, this goal was achieved because of the intentionality, the dedication, the commitment to the tax you always given me most of the time when we have sessions, the assignments you challenged me with. And it was also thanks to the fact that I was trained and certified by the Kenyan Consulting as a professional speaker, which opened some doors for me. Because here in Africa, uh, certificates at times count a lot. You, no matter how you make noise on social media that you are a professional speaker or you a certified speaker, if you don't have some papers, certificate to back you up, many people might not believe the skills you have. You cannot show some documents that can back you up. Right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's like a degree basically uh, there. And then it's the same thing with uh, I'm I'm happy. I, I can't believe you've written 11 books. I know you wrote written several. I didn't know you were up to 11 already, but that's also a great credibility builder of, you know, because, wow, he, he's an expert if he he's written 11 books and he's speaking internationally. Now, uh, I want to I want to come listen to this guy. And the thing, I think your greatest gift, Oliver, is your enthusiasm. It's it's your heart. It's your heart. And it comes out through enthusiasm. So I think something deeper than what your goals are, because I, I asked you that question on purpose, because I remember you saying you wanted to be an international speaker and speak all around the United States. And it it, it was a it was a crazy idea, I'll be honest. But I wanted to help you make that happen. And, uh, and it, it all starts with you making that decision in the very beginning. So I'm happy to see that you're there. But let me ask you something a deeper, kind of a deeper question. What drives you? What are you really passionate about? I know it's not to make lots of money or sell lots of books. You, I know you want to help people. So can you elaborate on that? Thank you so much uh, for that question, James. You know, I, 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 as a young man, I was growing up in Africa. Uh, I have read so many books. I was actually outspoken. I was outspoken. I had that, you know, that ability, the urge to always talk to people. And that's why in high school, I, I used to pay my classmate to listen to me talk during high school. When I was going to school, uh, they would give me some uh, allowance to, to, to buy something during break. And I would take the money and pay my classmate to listen to me talk because I really love to talk to people, to encourage people. And that pushed me to the level where I had to read a lot of books. And the least money I could make, I need to buy books to read. And I found myself reading a lot of books and I acquired a lot of knowledge. And because I wanted to become an international speaker, I had to study and research and get mentors and coaches who could actually guide me to get there. And of course, which I'm very privileged that you had to mentor me even today. So I went to bed every night with the hope that one day, I will get up in the morning and receive an email inviting me to speak in, in America, inviting me to speak in UK, inviting me to speak in, in, in Singapore, in, in France, in Europe, in Germany. But guess what? 
I was never, when I get up, I check my email box, you know, I will not see any invitation. I will hope when I sleep, I get up the next morning, somebody is going to call me the next morning and say, hi, Oliver, we have been watching your YouTube videos. Will you mind to fly to America and talk to, you know, in a teens conference, in a youth conference? I got up the next morning. I never received a phone call. I never received an SMS. I never received an email inviting me. And, and it, it became a routine. Like I was preparing myself. I would rehearse. I would practice speeches. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech of, you know, one of his greatest speeches was that of the 28th of August, 1963. I hope you remember the speech, James. I have a dream. I will rehearse the speech, practice yep. practice it to speak like Martin Luther King Jr. And behold, the next day I'll get up hoping to have an invitation to speak in Germany. I will not have an invitation. Guess what? It was until the 23rd of August, 2003. 23, that is more than 12 years from when I started hoping that I'm going to have an invitation. But finally, the dream came alive. The dream came true. Where I was, I, I had that email from, 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 from the Asian Professional Speakers Association, Singapore, where I received that first email to fly out of Africa for the first time in history to speak to over 300 global top international and international speakers from all around the world. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Congratulations. Amazing. Amazing. Congratulations. So that surprised me. Thank you. That was amazing. So, so how are you helping the youth? Because uh, I know youth is near and dear to your heart. How are you help? How are you bringing back this expertise now in your own community and in into Cameroon and surrounding areas? Great. Immediately upon, I was actually, I was, I, I was actually uh, jolted over there in Singapore, in Asia. Uh, I was challenged by the advanced nature of the country and how the speakers are doing things. So I was challenged. And when I came back to my country, Cameroon, I was angry. I was like, things must change. And for things to change, I have to take the lead to cause the change that I want to see in my country. And behold, immediately, I set up a team a team, very dedicated team members. You know, there are actually four of them. In the team, I have very amazing team members. I got these people not from any friend relationship. I got these people because they were dedicated. And I, when I looked at them, I saw people who want to do the work together with me. And so yeah. I got together Bertrand Mokom. I got together Basilia. I got together Roland. I got together Ada. So with this team of four, we have set up what we call the Cameroon National Speakers Association, which currently we are having a project that is ongoing, dot confidence speakers, confidence team, holiday public speaking workshop, which we are having as a target to train 1,000 young people ages five to nine years. And as I talk, we are in one of the centers in Cameroon in a village in a, in a region called Baminda. And we recently just came back from a national tour where we went to top cities in Cameroon and installed centers for training kids where we train trainers, keeping them, we kept them there to represent us in these centers. And right now we have four centers that are running in Cameroon with over a hundred kids at a time. So every two weeks we are recruiting the new batch of students, training them on how to become confident speakers and how to speak with eloquence and with charisma. That's amazing. So that's that is amazing. Yeah, that's the first thing I did. 
of when I returned from Singapore. And of course, we have the African Inclusive Institute of Public Speaking. That's the public speaking kind of university that I've created in Africa together with my friends. And we are training doctors, medical doctors, we're training pastors, we're training entrepreneurs and top executives on how to communicate their ideas. Yeah. So it's not just the youth. I mean, you're training you're training all professionals, you know, over all age groups, uh, right? Exactly. That's, that's great. So one last question on that topic, and then we'll kind of move on. But why is it so important for you to train on eloquence and train on confidence uh, for young people there in Africa? Why 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 are you so passionate about that? Thanks so How much for the question, Jay. Yeah. Uh, statistics reveals that 25% of, of children, only 25% of children are able to communicate with confidence. And what that means is that 75% of children are not able to communicate with confidence. And that's a big problem. James, I will believe strongly that in the work environment, the workspace, people who get promoted most of the time are not the most intelligent, are not actually the most knowledgeable people, but they're simply the most, the people that they communicate well that can sell themselves well, that get promoted most of the time. Yeah, yep, you know? exactly. And growing up as a young person, I've tested the entrepreneurship sector and I've done a lot of corporate works in hospitals. And I realized that most of the time, people who are highly promoted are people who can communicate and sell themselves well. Now I realized that for young people to gain opportunities in life, for young people to actually move to where they are supposed to be, fulfill their dreams, share their ideas, sell their visions, to the people that are supposed to serve to them, they have to learn to communicate effectively. So I remember the day I actually had, I went to school and my discipline master got me well beaten. And he asked me a question and I could not answer the question because I was shy. I was very timid to talk to him, you know, and because of that, he got me well beaten in school. And, and from that day, I vowed that I will never be shy. I will never be timid. Believe me, you, James, there are a lot of young people, especially in Africa, who are very timid and shy. And because of that, that, that affects their success in life. Yeah. Significantly. Significantly. And, and I believe that if young people can communicate with confidence, you know, they can communicate with charisma, if they can communicate effectively, they are going to get a lot of opportunities for themselves and for their households and for their entire generations. Yeah. And that's exactly why together with my team we were focusing so much on training young people in fact in one of my quotes i say something very interesting if you go to school the first thing you should learn should be public speaking because mathematics chemistry biology computer science needs explanation and you cannot explain if you don't have a good mastery of communication and so for me the first subject we should be teaching in school should be public speaking so that when yeah. we learn how to explain ourselves express ourselves very well we can handle the rest of the things and even as a team, our vision, big vision is actually to see public speaking inculcated as a subject in the primary schools in Cameroon, in the secondary schools in Cameroon, and in universities in Cameroon. So the subject can be written, you know, so public speaking can be written as a subject at the level of primary, secondary school, and high school. And that is actually our big vision, to make sure that the government buys the vision of having public speaking as a subject in all the educational sectors. What a great, what a great idea. What a great idea. I couldn't believe, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more that that's probably the most important class is, is communication. 
you know, here in the States, they teach English, but it's more of, you know, reading, writing, uh, you know, English. But uh, the, the most important part is being able to effectively communicate. And, and they don't teach that. They don't teach that at all. Of course, James, you know, I, I believe so much. Uh, my one word, my one word is determination. Mm. Determination is powerful. When I resigned for my job in the corporate world, working in the hospital, uh, I had one of my supervisors that locked me up in his office for two hours, advising me not to resign because I have a family I'm going to be taking care of. I have a house, I have to be paying bills and all of that. And I told him that I have to resign, that I don't feel comfortable in the hospital setup. Again, mm -hmm. I had a lot of people that advised me by saying things like, Oliver, anybody that resigns from this organization, they always come back begging to work. Because when they go out there, it's never easy for them. And when they were saying all of these things, I, I, I listened and I was like, that's not going to be Oliver that you know. And I, I went out and then pursued my dream. And I never had any plan B. I had just one plan. It's either I make it or I make it. And, and the worst word that actually went, took me through all of this was determination. And I really believe that God helped me, you know, through the power of determination to stick to the, my dream, to, to yep. be very intentional in what I was doing. And that prompted me to work very hard. And anything I was doing, I made sure I give myself the best. And so for those who are watching us out there, I really want to say that uh, you may not be a Christian like me, but you just have to believe and trust God, believe and trust him and be so determined in what you're doing. And above all, always trust your God instinct. Always trust your God instinct. People are going to tell you that, hey, you're not going to make it because people who, 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 who do these kind of things, they don't easily make it wherever you are. Don't believe them. Just trust your God instinct and be determined because when you are determined, nothing stops you. You can always get anything you want. So you have to actually, you know, trust your gut instinct. You have to be able to challenge all the obstacles, the challenges that can come across your way on your route to success and always be determined in that process because determination is the key to success. And once you're not determined, you know, challenges, distractions are always wear you away or take your focus away or take your concentration away. So determination is a key word here. Always, yeah. always be determined in whatever thing you want to do. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. I'll, I'll recap, you know, drive and determination. That was your first one. And boy, I, I don't think I've met anybody more determined than you in life. I remember getting emails from me every day. You're you set your mind to something and you're determined. So that's inspiration right there. Number two, I love what you said about faith. Faith is yep. your your faith is your source of hope. And I think is yep. the key driver to your determination. And then you you said trust your instincts, you know, follow, yep. follow that gut and uh in charge forward. So I love that. I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it as well. So uh, make sure if you're not following Oliver right now, you need to. He's one of the most charismatic, exciting guys on social media today. Make sure you follow him on uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Facebook. I'm a big fan, and I think you will as well. Outside of social media, Oliver, how can people get in touch with you? Is there a, 
uh, an email or a website they could go to, or what, what's the best way to connect with you? Great. Uh, what, the best way to connect to me uh, also is through my website, uh, www.shomoliver.com, www.shomoliver.com. And of course, I have an email, I have a Gmail account, which I also communicate with my clients on. Uh, which is drolivera77 uh, gmail.com, drolivera77 at gmail.com. Yeah. So these are some ways uh, our listeners can actually uh, get to me on. I love and it. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can check me on LinkedIn, Oliver Shum on LinkedIn, Oliver Shum. I'm equally on Facebook, or I'm on Instagram, Twitter. And of course, I am on TikTok. So Oliver Shum, Oliver Shum, Oliver Shum. Excellent. Well, I'm going to put your uh, contact information as well uh, out on social media and uh, on the link here so uh, the listeners can follow you and get in touch with you. But Oliver, thank you so much for being on the program. You are a true inspirational story. So congratulations to all your success and a thank you. Thank you so much for having me in this very, very important and good show james i count myself privileged to have been your guest today thank you so much what events sir what event, other events do we have coming up i know last time you know we told you guys that uh we're going to be doing a special event at comptia that's still in the work for their their channel con august 1st through 3rd um you know carl's going to be at exchange you can learn all this stuff about where he's at from his newsletter which i'm sure you all subscribe to um there's a kind of a lot of stuff going on do you have any anything else have what's happening after you so i think uh, i'm just going to be busy in the month of july i'm not planning on going anywhere I think um, there might be an SMB Tech Fest coming up, but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make that one. I'm just uh, on my calendar after my mastermind event in Denver is the uh, CompTIA in Las Vegas. So August 1, 2, and 3, uh, I'll, I'll be out there, and I'm sure I'll connect with uh, you and Carl and the team out there as well. Well, this is the season for the summer vacation, so... I hope that all of you take some time to have a little vacation with your family and uh, get out there and enjoy the summer weather. And we will see you right here next week. Thanks, James. You bet. Thanks, Amy. Good chatting today. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, Please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.